0: Hello, thank you for joining us for the Seed to Sow podcast. My prayer is that you will be blessed by today's word. Jonah chapter four, verses one through three. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life. For it is better for me to die than to live. This message this morning is part two of a message that started last Sunday. And I just thank God. uh, Thank God for my husband for his cooperation. As I told him that God had led me to do this message in two parts, and he agreed. But our text this morning is a continuation of the story of Jonah. And Jonah is the prophet who is best known for what happened to him as a consequence of his rebellion. Most of us remember Jonah for being the prophet who deliberately ran away from what God told him to do. You'll recall that at the beginning of this book of Jonah, that he received very clear instructions from God. He told Jonah to go and preach to the people of Nineveh. But the scripture says that Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Jonah found a ship bound for a place not just going anywhere, but bound for a place that it was in the opposite direction the absolute opposite direction of where God told him to go. Some of us have moved away from where God told us to go. And if we're honest with ourselves and honest with God, God has given us clear instructions about what our ministries are, where we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be doing, and we have run in the other direction. You know, I told you about my special little car, and one of the things about that car was that I didn't drive it very much, and when I did, I knew where I was going. But when I was taking it to the dealer on Friday, I said, let me play around with some of these buttons that I haven't played around with before. So I started messing around with the navigation, and I put an address in there knowing I wasn't headed there. I just put an old address in there, my old home address. Well, the navigation kept talking to me as I was headed to Alexandria. The the navigation kept saying, at the next intersection, make a U-turn. And I just kept going where I was going. I was going to Alexandria. I knew I wasn't going back to my old home address, but it just kept talking to me. And because I was unfamiliar with it, had not used it very much before, I didn't know how to turn it off. So it kept talking to me. It kept saying, at the next intersection, make a right. At the next intersection, make a U-turn. And then finally, it it got silent for a minute, and then it said, at the next opportunity, please make a U-turn. Well, I got irritated with that thing. And after a while, I looked up and I saw the power button. Say, I couldn't drive too crazy. Pastor Norman said I drive crazy anyway. He was following me, and I said, let me find this power button. I pushed the power button. I said, now, that fixes that. Uh But you know what? I turned it back on because I wanted to hear the music. And it came back on, and it said, at the next intersection, please make a U-turn. Now, I say that to you because that's what we do to God. God pricks our hearts. He calls us to us. He draws us to him. He draws us to a deeper relationship. He says, come to me, obey me, follow my way, study my word, spend some time in prayer with me, do my will. And we keep headed back the old way. Some of us will even go as far as to stop coming to church. Because we know when we come, we will be convicted of the direction we're moving in. And I want you to know that it is the desire of the enemy to put distance between week that this is the story of not just a rebellious person, but it is the story of the extraordinary measures that God will go to to get you to bring you back to him. God will go to extraordinary lengths to get you into right relationship with him. He loves you that much. You know, when I was growing up, my, my mother did all the spanking. I was an only daughter, and my dad and I've always been just extremely close, and my dad never spanked me. But Katie Mamrie would grab a switch in a minute. And she would say these words to me. She would say, I'm not going to let you grow up like that. I'm not going to let you grow up selfish. I'm not going to let you grow up doing a half job when I tell you to do something. I'm not going to let you grow up me gonna let you grow up thinking you can do whatever you want to do I love you too much and don't you know that God loves you so much that he has to allow you to go through certain things because he can't let you just continue to be a spiritual dwarf he can't let you continue to be a spiritual baby you need to grow up in him so he's got to take you through some things see God sent a specially designed storm to surround the ship where Jonah was a passenger. And when you think about this, you have to remember that that, that God could have taken the ship down. He could have taken Jonah out. He could have let everybody on that ship go down in that storm. But he designed that storm to be just the kind of storm and just enough of a storm and just long enough of a storm to accomplish his purpose. At any moment, God could have said, I give up on you, Jonah. I'm tired of you rebelling against me. I'm tired of you running from me. But God didn't. He allowed the storm to come up. And he allowed things to happen so that Jonah came to himself and realized that he was the problem on the ship. And then soldiers, when the the sailors surrounded him and they said, look, you must be the problem. He said, yes. He said, throw me overboard. You see, his solution was to end his life. He said, throw me in the water. You see, he knew he was in big trouble. He knew that you cannot continue to live and be in rebellion with the almighty God. He figured, well, this is the end. Let me just throw off, jump in the water. I can imagine that Jonah thought as he stood on the edge of that ship, I can imagine that he thought this was the end. He thought, I'm going to jump in this water and that's the end of my life, but I won't be miserable anymore running from God. And you may try to fool yourself, but if you are running from God, you're in a miserable state. If you are resisting the spirit of God, that's a miserable place to be. Maybe you still got a smile on your face. Maybe you can fool the people around you. But if God is speaking to you and you are resisting him, you're in a miserable place. You see, real life, real joy begins when you get in line with the will of God. God sent a big fish. And he saved Jonah from the silly thing that he wanted to do. And God accomplished some some things in Jonah while he was inside the fish. And we talked about those things last week. He accomplished some things. Something happened to Jonah in that tight place. In the darkness of that fish belly, Jonah came to understand some things about God, and he came to understand some things about himself. You see, when God puts you in a tight place, it's not just for you to learn about God. God has to shine a light. When you get in that darkness, God has a way of shining a spotlight in you and on you. And you come to realize, God, I am the culprit. I am the problem here. Help me. Jonah came to himself inside the belly of the fish. And he began to praise God with a song of thanksgiving. Jonah was delivered out of the belly of the fish. You see, I want you to remember this. Praise prepares the way for deliverance. When you praise God in the midst of your situation, when you raise your hand, you devastate. deliverance is speeded on its way he was delivered from the belly of the fish he was spit out on dry land and it would be nice if this were the end of the story and we could say that God accomplished everything in Jonah that he needed to accomplish inside the big fish It would be nice to say that Jonah got the message and that everything God wanted to accomplish in him was done when he was spit out on dry land. But the evidence is to the contrary. That sounded like a lawyer, didn't it? The evidence is to the contrary. You see, the word of the Lord did come to Jonah a second time. And this time the scripture says, Jonah obeyed. And he went to the people of Nineveh, and he said, 40 more days, and Nineveh is going to be overturned. But Jonah had anger toward these people. He had resentment toward these people. And much to his surprise, the people heeded what he said. He was shocked. The people repented. They said, let us put on our sackcloth. Let us sit in the ashes. Let us humble ourselves. And maybe the almighty God will not bring on us the destruction that he said he's going to bring. They declared a fast. They denied themselves. And all of them, from the least to the greatest, put on sackcloth and they humbled themselves before God. And that but the king of Nineveh heard what was going on among the people and he said wait a minute I'm not missing out on this I'm gonna be a part of this too he threw off his robes and he put on the sackcloth himself and he sat in the ashes you see it starts from the bottom up when it happens among the people when God pours his spirit out on the people begins to reverberate into the leadership. The king issued a decree, and he told him, he he said, call urgently to God. He said, call urgently to God. And when God saw how serious the Ninevites were, when he saw that they were humbling themselves, that they were not playing, that they really were turning their hearts toward him, he said, I'm not going to destroy you. I want to tell you something, Bethany. God is moved by our repentance. When you repent, when you turn away from your wicked ways, when you say to God, I don't want to live that way anymore. I don't want to live with myself being the center of my universe. I don't want to go against you anymore. God's heart is moved. And he gets above his throne, just like the king of Nineveh. And he says, wait a minute. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land." Well, you would think that Jonah would be happy about what happened you would think that he would be glad that they turned from their wicked ways and that destruction was not coming right then but Jonah was upset Jonah got mad he said see God that's why I didn't want to come to these people in the first place because I knew you were a merciful god and I knew you were going to relent and not bring on the destruction that you told me to tell him Evidence is that something was still missing with Jonah. Here God had performed a triple miracle. First, he preserved Jonah's life, even though Jonah had given up on his own life. He had sustained him in the belly of the fish. And then he allowed him to be spit out on dry land so that he could still live. He didn't give up on Jonah. He said, I'm going to speak to you a second time. And some of y'all, God's talking to you a second time. He told you what to do. He told you what he wants from you. He told you to turn from that old way. And he's speaking to you a second time. But see, the evidence is that Jonah was delivered outwardly. But there was an inward deliverance that had not he wants to take. Place. I know you hear me I know you getting me I know you feel me because I can see it on your faces. You see Jonah was out of the fish but there was still something missing on the inside. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you he was out of the fish but he wasn't free yet. and Jonah was still caught up in his own little thing. Had the nerve to go sit down and pout somewhere. Let me tell you something. Something ought to happen to you in the midst of your tight place. Something ought to happen if you've been crying out to God and asking him to deliver you You need to know that if he hasn't moved you, it's because the outer deliverance is not going to come until he does that inner deliverance. As long as you're still caught up in yourself and what you want and what's important to you and that you've got to live your life and Bible studies got to wait and church maybe and serving God maybe, you haven't gotten your inner deliverance. You see, when Jonah spit was spit out on dry land by that big fish, somebody should have taken his spiritual vital signs. When he was spit out on that land, on that dry land, and he was laying there, somebody should have run over there and said, well, let me see if there are any signs of life here. I came out to tell you this morning. If you're wondering if your inner deliverance has taken place, if you're wondering if God has accomplished in you everything he wants to accomplish in you in your trial, I want you to know that there's some some signs of life, there's some vital signs you need to look for, some things you need to check for in your own spiritual life to find out if you're ready for that outer deliverance. Now, I'm not a doctor, and and I I get squeamish just thinking about what doctors do. But in medical terminology, there are four vital signs that doctors look for, that rescue squads look for when they see somebody laid out there. The first vital sign is body temperature. Check your body temperature. You see, in the body, there's something called thermoregulation. And that's the ability of your body to maintain its proper temperature regardless of what's going on outside. Do you hear me? You need to check your body temperature. Because, see, if that vital sign is missing, if your praise is determined by everything going on around you, you're not ready, honey. You're not ready for that deliverance. God's still doing some work in you. If everybody else has to praise for you to praise, if everybody else has to say they're thankful for you to say you're thankful, if everybody else has to sing for you to sing, if everybody else has to pray for you to pray, your regulation is off. When you come out of a tight place, the mercury in your praise thermometer ought to go up, regardless of what's going on, somebody's checking to see if you got signs of life, they look to see your heart rate. And see, your heart rate is how fast your your heart's beating whether it's beating right. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 29, him based on whether other people say it's time to worship you don't wait till you come here on Sunday morning you see when you walk through the door your worship ought to come with you your thanksgiving ought to be in your heart your praise ought to be on your lips you need to walk through that door with your hands up saying hallelujah my heart is not far from God but the third vital sign your blood pressure and blood pressure is, is, is the force that's exerted by the circulating blood in the walls of your blood vessels you see you gotta have a healthy blood pressure Romans 5 9 says since we have now been justified to hit by his blood how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him Check your blood pressure. Are you walking in the joy of a full appreciation for what God did through the blood of Jesus? Don't you know that because he died on that cross, because he shed his blood, God looks at you and he says, you are just like his son Jesus, with every privilege, with every power, with every ability, with every ability to cast down strongholds, with every ability to see miracles performed. Have you checked your blood pressure? Do you know what God did with his blood? Don't you know that his blood covers you? Check your blood pressure. Have you thought about his blood lately? Have you thought about the cost that he paid so that you don't have to live like that? Have you thought about the blood? Check your blood pressure. (laughs) Woo! Are you claiming everything you're entitled to? Hallelujah! You know I was talking to him. I was talking on the phone (laughs) I saying, woo! 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 I think that's a new praise God gave me, oh, Hallelujah. Woo! You see, when you check your blood pressure, you don't go around crawling on the floor. You lift your hands to God. Say, God, I know I belong to you. I know you're mine, God. Hallelujah. Woo! Check your blood pressure. We're going to finish this out. And we're going to finish this out, the last vital sign. Woo! The last vital sign. And the most important, and the one they look at first when they see you laying out there, is your respiratory rate. To your mouth and your nose, and they say, We hear anything coming in now. John 20 tells us about how Jesus appeared to the disciples after his resurrection and he showed them his hands, the scars in his hands, and his side where it had been pierced. And the scripture says the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. But listen verses 21 and 22 say, Again. Jesus said, peace, be with you. You can breathe. You can breathe easy. He said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. He didn't leave it there. He didn't just say, have peace. He said, and with that, he breathed on them. Hallelujah. Say he said, receive the Holy Spirit, are you breathing, Bethany? Are you breathing? Woo! Are you breathing, Bethany? Have you received the Spirit of God? Are you breathing? Are you breathing? Are you breathing? It's the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. You see, if you don't have your vital signs, if your vital signs are not there, you need to go back in the fish. You're out of the fish, but you're still smelling fish. You go back in there. Ask God to keep you in that trial until you get your vital signs right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll tell you something. Nobody's questioning God about suffering more than I have. Nobody. I am not going to ever pretend to you that I understand everything God does. The one thing you will not get from me as your pastor is pretending. I will not front. I will not pretend. When it hurts, I'm going to say, out. When I'm going through, I'm going to cry. And you're going to have to deal with it or get you another pastor. But I'm going to tell you something. Ain't nobody questioned God the way I have about why I had to suffer. I'm not just talking about this current suffering. I'm talking about in the past. And I'm talking about what I know probably coming down the pipe. I have questioned God. But God said, the only way to the glory is through the suffering. The only way to the glory. You want to be glorified with me? You want to experience the blessings of God? You want to experience my provision and my providence? You want to experience my abundance? The only way to get there is through the suffering. If you suffer with him, you will be glorified. With How many of you want the glory? How many of you want the glory? How many of you want to experience this glory? Let me tell you something, Bethany. there's nothing like being in a room where God's glory is poured out. If you want to experience the glory, you got to go through some things. Yeah. Check your bodies. Join us again next week for the Seed to Sow podcast with Reverend Lisa Weathers Hall. You can also reach us by email at seed to sow ministry at gmail.com. S E E D T O S O W ministry at gmail.com. God bless you.